Welcome to the Practice Purchased Podcast, where you'll learn everything you need to know to buy the perfect dental practice, all for free, and all in less than 20 minutes an episode. Learn more about your host, author, presenter, and coach to hundreds of successful dental practice buyers by visiting brianhanks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 14, Practice Purchased Podcast. We are talking about the dental loan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> We're talking about how to ensure you get the very best dental loan on the practice that you want to buy. Okay. So I recently bought a house in the last year or so, and without question, uh, once my wife and I had found the house and decided where we wanted to move to, the financing was by far the most painful and infuriating part of the closing process. I didn't know how many lenders I should be talking to. I wasn't sure at what point I had enough information to compare the options. I didn't know how the lenders would react if they knew I was considering several options. And once I did get some offers in place, the formatting and the language in them were so different, I felt like I needed the Rosetta Stone to compare them. And I have a degree in finance. I have an MBA from a top school, and I help dentists compare loans every working day of my life. And so if anyone could compare home loans, you'd think it would be me. But at multiple points in this process, I thought, oh my gosh, if this is so painful, I bet my dentist clients feel even worse with their practice loans. And a lot of buyers tell me that getting the practice loan locked down feels similarly painful. They know it's a huge decision, but the process feels opaque at best. So my goal with this episode is to give you some rules of thumb and a basic roadmap to be able to understand the rules to get the best dental loan. And in the next episode, I'm going to show you how to compare two loans you might be considering. All right. So, but remember, remember the advice given in this episode is given based on working with the major, major dental practice lenders in the country and everyone's situation and bank can be slightly different. So you should get some competent help with this process. All right, here is the outline for today's episode. I've got four ground rules I'm going to share with you. All right, ground rule number one is to understand the difference between a proposal and an approval. Ground rule number two is that it is okay to talk to multiple banks, but do it right. Ground rule number three is that you cannot compare rates to your friends or <laughs> some person on Dentaltown or Facebook. And ground rule number four is that the banker can and is often more important than the bank. Okay, so this episode is going to give you a feel for the ground rules, and I'm going to give you the weightings for these ground rules, okay? And um, at, the, at the end, I'm going to give you some factors that seem like they matter but don't really. All right, so let's talk about ground rule number one, understanding the difference between a proposal and, a, and an approval. Okay, so dental practice lenders know that when you call with a practice in mind that you would like an answer quickly, right? No duh. <laughs> so some lenders, therefore, will compete on speed, right? The, the salesperson that you're talking with will try to get a written proposal on the table as quickly as possible. And that proposal will be on a sheet of paper. It will be bank letterhead. It will have numbers on it. It will have a rate but it will be at the top, it will be called a proposal. Okay, a proposal has not gone through underwriting. Okay, it hasn't gone through underwriting yet, which means that the decision maker, the person that ultimately green lights your deal, hasn't seen the practice or you. So the terms on the sheet 
are very likely close to what the salesperson believes underwriting will approve, but it is the salesperson's best guess. Okay, so for obvious reasons, bank have, banks have the salespeople out talking to dentists, but then they have the back room with the underwriters who will decide if a borrower is actually going to be able to pay the bank back. All right, so the underwriter is the one that sets the loan terms. Now, the key advantage to this approach to a bank handing you a proposal is the speed. And if it's really important that you are able to show a seller or a broker that you can get financing, then you know, something like this is a good option. Obviously, the downside to this approach is that the terms on the page can change after underwriting team after the underwriting team looks at the deal. Okay. So the other approach is to get an approval. Now, other banks will compete less on speed, but what they'll compete on is a good experience and the terms that stick. So part of that good experience is making the first written offer the approved one. Now, the main disadvantage to this approach is that it typically takes a few days longer to get an underwriting approved written approval to show the seller and make a plan for timing and expectations. But you have the final terms written down on paper, approved, and locked in. And if you choose this lender, that if you choose a lender that takes the approval approach, then the deal can typically move very quickly after you commit to that bank. So it's important to remember here that slower is not a synonym for worse. They're just trade-offs. Um, different banks have different underwriting standards. And so some banks can do a quick approval. Other banks will ask for more information. Um, a request for information, by the way, typically means the underwriter found some items that could either be potential issues or they just want to understand better before they greenlight your deal. So there, there are red flagging items that in, in some cases could burn you at, as a potential future owner of this practice. So as infuriating <laughs> as repeated questions can feel, usually it's in your best interest to remember that the reason for the extra time, the extra questions is to protect your investment. All right, it sounds like I'm being an apologist for banks and um, there are certainly are cases where bureaucracy gets in the way, but in my experience, most, certainly not all, but most of the reputable dental lenders in the country will use approvals and not proposals, okay? Uh, so they're, they're willing to put in the work, the time, and yes, in a lot of cases, some actual funds to go through the underwriting process with you, a potential client, before you ultimately commit to them. So they're confident enough in the ultimate terms that they're offering that they're willing to take a little more time up front to get you the best option. And my recommendation is that you use a lender who will commit to a full approval up front. But at a minimum, at a minimum, know the difference between the two. Okay, so ground rule number one, understand approvals and proposals. All right, ground rule number two is that yes, it is expected that you will talk with multiple banks. <laughs> now, uh, the banker, the salesperson that you're likely talking with, with would of course love it if you were only talking with him or her. Now, but, but they know you're probably not. And when I can get a banker in a candid moment, um, even, even they will admit that dentists ultimately end up with better terms when there are multiple banks at the table. So here is my recommendation. My recommendation, very strong recommendation, is that you should probably only talk with two banks. As long as, and here's the, here's the very important caveat, as long as you've vetted the two and they're both dental specific. Okay, so 
dental loans are pretty unique. Um, just as a pop quiz, do you know the deal? They, they call them delinquency rates or charge off rates for various loans. These are the um, a number of loans that go bad in certain categories. Now look this up. So the 2018 numbers, according to government agency that tracks these, uh, highest charge off rates, highest delinquency rates in lending are home loans, surprisingly. I, I thought it would be credit cards. It was home loans. 2.67% of home loans go bad or get behind or have some other kind of issues. And credit cards are only 2.59%. So just a few basis points less. Um, I've got a few farmers in the extended family. Farmland actually is only 2.24% uh, delinquency rates. And commercial loans on average, and a dental loan is a commercial loan. So the average commercial loan charge off rate is 1.14%. Now guess where dental loans fall? Dental loans, 0.47%. Uh, Right? So less than half of 1% of dental loans go bad. In most cases, uh, my understanding is that there's um, uh, pretty significant severe issues at play. So what sometimes happens here is that dental practice buyers, they get a big head, right? They hear the 0.47 and they feel so confident that their loan is among the safest small business loans on the planet, which is true, right? And, and these, these dentists get cocky, all right? So they see the practice they're buying, and um, they know that it's going to put a couple hundred thousands of dollars in a year in their pocket. And maybe they get some bad advice in some Facebook group or dental town. And they think that the more banks at the table, the better. Okay, so whatever the reason, there are a lot of buyers who treat banks like contestants on The Bachelor. Right? They see themselves as the 28-year-old supermodel with 30 good-looking, hunky banks all ready to go do crazy things to earn their love. And that mentality is a big mistake, okay? Shopping more than two or three banks almost always leads to worse outcomes for the buyer. You're gonna see higher rates, higher fees, worse terms. I know it's counterintuitive, but you should probably only shop two banks for your dental practice loan, maybe three in very special cases. Why? Well, too many banks at the table and nobody feels special. All right, bankers know that you're probably gonna shop their loan but they have to weigh the cost of trying to impress you and then service your request against the cost of finding another dentist who needs a loan, right? So one banker told me that on average, she and her team spend close to 10 hours with each prospective dental loan borrower. So if the borrower goes with another bank, that's time loss that could have been spent elsewhere. The bankers are always doing the mental calculation to figure out how likely they are to earn your business. So if they know that they're being shopped against three or four or even a higher number of banks, they know that the chances of getting your business are low. And as a result, they're not gonna put their best foot forward. You're gonna get the mediocre rate offer. You're gonna get the middle of the road fees and terms. And you think you're gonna get the very best offer, but what ends up happening is you get a worse offer, okay? So if you have just two, in some cases, maybe three banks at the table, now it's a race. The banker thinks they can win. They're highly incented to get you the best rate up front, slash the fees, throw in a few extra goodies. And, um, and on occasion, um, you know, I say two, maybe three. What I would say is with a third bank, um, I wouldn't do this unless you feel stuck with your first two banks or you have an advisor telling you that there are banks out there with better terms than you're seeing with the first two. So uh, a lot of buyers will say at this point, well, psh, Brian, Brian, I just won't tell the other banks about each other. Okay. <laughs> To which I respond, ha, <laughs> forget it. 
my my other tip is just assume that the bankers know everything and you'll probably be right. Okay. Dental first, dental transitions is a pretty small world. Dental lending is an even smaller world. So the bankers, brokers, attorneys, accountants, they're all talking to each other. And the chances are excellent that the bankers you're talking about and talking with, they know each other. So on top of it being a small world, the credit inquiries from different banks show up on your credit report. The banks can see who else has pulled your credit. So it's not a secret, all right? Just assume the bankers you're talking with know about each other's and and you'll almost always be right. Uh, My last tip on why you should just look at two banks probably, sometimes three, is that there's real value in locking down the financing early. Uh, A hidden bonus to having fewer banks to choose between is that you'll likely choose your lender earlier in the process. And if you choose your lender earlier in the process, it'll bring you a huge sense of relief, right? It can be super stressful to talk to multiple banks, deal with multiple lenders, having the credit interviews and their teams. So, um, you know, the dirty secret to dental practice financing is that all of the niche lenders in the dental space, they have pretty similar rates and terms. They are not cookie cutter. There are pros and cons to different lenders. There are certain lenders that fit better with different types of deals. But in general, you choose a lender that works hard for you, is responsive, provides you with an efficient professional experience. You're going to be fine. You're going to, it'll go a long way to ensure a stress-free closing. Okay. Very important caveat to the two, the two banker rule is that this advice assumes you've done your homework and that you're talking with a reputable dental lender and the right banker at those banks. Okay, so that means you've asked around and you've found a bank with a dedicated lending team, dental lending team, with underwriters who only look at dental practices, and you found the best banker for your area in that bank. Okay, the banker um, we'll talk about in just a second, um, but I want to mention that, you know, the first bank, the first question any banker is going to ask you is going to be about the practice. So you got to be able to find a good practice. Check out the video I created on the two best ways to find good dental practices for sale. Text the word FIND, F-I-N-D, to 33777. FIND 33777. All right, let's talk about the two last ground rules. Ground rule number three is that you cannot compare your rates and your terms to everybody else's. Your friends, the guy from dental school, the guy on Facebook, right? The bank really only has one concern. Are they going to get paid back? So how do they decide if they're going to get paid back? Well, each of the bankers I've worked with share similar numbers to describe what they're specifically looking for. What they tell me is that 60% of the decision has to do with the practice. And only 40% of the decision has to do with you personally as the buyer, borrower. Okay. So if 60% of the decision is based on the practice, then the practice numbers are going to be very unique to you. And their lending decision, the terms they offer, the rate they offer, they're going to be unique to your practice. So as tempting as it is to tell the banker, hey, I, my friend got a 4.25 and you're offering me a 4.5, you know, you need to lower my rate, then, you know, it's it's going to be trickier because the banker isn't going to be able to say it's an apples to apples comparison. All right. So that is tip number three. Don't forget that 60% of the decision is based on the practice and only 40% based on you and your credit worthiness. Um, what, you know, what are they looking at on your side? You know, the five things we talked about them in the first episode of this podcast. They want to see that you have cash. They want to see you have a solid production history, a credit score over 680, a clean credit history, and about a year's worth of experience. 
So if you're comparing your rate in terms of what someone said they got on Facebook, a notorious place to fudge, by the way, you're making a huge mistake. Okay, let's talk about the last tip. Tip number four is that the banker oftentimes is more important than the bank. Listen, different bank bankers have different pull within their organizations. Yes, it's true that dental lenders, it's important to have a dental specific bank to talk to. What's interesting about those banks is that they have territories and they often have, I mean, the biggest dental lender in the country has something like 88 different um, salespeople around the country hoping to find buyers like you to lend to. So if you have 88 of any population or even a smaller number, right? A smaller dental lender with only 20 or 10 salespeople, you're gonna have a normal distribution of someone that's really, really good. You're gonna have a big group of people in the middle that are okay. Then you're gonna have a couple duds <laughs> that may end up working on your dental loan. You do not want to have that happen. And in most cases, with most banks, the rule is, is that the rep that you talk to first is the one that you'll work with, usually regardless of geography, okay? So what I would say is that you want to find the banker that has the best pull, the best relationships, the best um, internal capital with the decision makers, those that can provide exceptions if needed, and those that can get you the very best terms, best rates, lowest fees, everything you're going to want in your dental loan. All right, so let's review. We talked about four ground rules in this episode. Understand the difference between a proposal and an approval. Understand that it is okay to talk to multiple banks, but make sure you do it right. Typically, you're going to talk to two banks. In some cases, maybe a third. Principle number three, ground rule number three, is that you can't compare your rate, your terms, to a friend's or Facebook. And principle number four is that the banker is more important than the bank. Um, I, you know, from my perspective, helping buyers all over the country, I have a pretty good feel for which bankers are the best at different banks and which lenders tend to be better for which types of deals. And rather than give specific timely recommendations here, I want to give timeless information. And that information, frankly, changes from month to month and year to year. Uh, so reach out to me anytime if I can help. If you want some help navigating this process, um, and you, or you just want to ask me a real quick question and get a name or a contact information, I'm happy to share that. Shoot me an email, brian at brianhanks.com, B-R-I-A-N at brianhanks, H-A-N-K-S dot com. I will respond personally. I'm happy to do it and uh, wish you the best of luck. We'll talk about how to compare the uh, two practice loans that you get on the very next episode. Thanks for listening to the Practice Purchased Podcast. For more information about Brian's best-selling book, How to Buy a Dental Practice, or about the Practice Purchase Blueprint course, visit brianhanks.com.